Hey folks, before we get into this week's episode, um, I just want to let y'all know that at the end of the episode, Barry and I have an announcement about the future of the podcast and, you know, some stuff that we are going to be doing. So I'll get into that at the end. I just want to let y'all know off the top uh, as you listen to this episode and you hear something a little bit different at the end. So thanks. don't worry, it's good. When we say we have an announcement about the future of the podcast, it, while that seems a little bit ominous, we're, we're, we're good. We're good. We hope you're good. We, we, we hope everyone's good. Because we're good. We're fine. Every Everything's fine. It's going to be good. I think it was less ominous before you insisted that we were good 10 times, whatever. <laughs> hey, folks. Uh, welcome to a special deathbed episode of... Uh, off stars for Dr. C. And I say that because <laughs> I might be dying. Um, so I've come down with whatever uh, whatever this month's flavor of the plague is that my kids brought home uh, from from their school. So if I sound a little if I sound a little um, a little out there, that's why a little raspy. So I apologize, but uh, we're going to power through and do the best that we can. So today we're going to be talking about a, um, actually this episode and the next episode, we're going to be talking about some mass media theories that I think are particularly useful, not just because of what's happening in the world at the moment, and which if I'm being honest, that could be a, a evergreen statement, right? Sure. Um, but because they're, they're a phenomenon that we often engage in and we're, we do so unknowingly. And so today, uh, this episode, we're going to talk about parasocial relationship theory. And then in the next episode, we're going to talk about agenda setting and framing. Okay. Yeah. Great. So awesome. Uh, Barry, have you, you teach mostly production classes, but are you familiar with parasocial relationship theory? Yeah. Yeah. I actually cover parasocial relationship theory in, uh, in one of my courses in the advertising course that I actually drew our last bit of, um, episodes, uh, based off of. And, um, I, I, it's just something that's so applicable. I I've even incorporated it subtly. Most of my students probably don't recognize it, but I, I incorporated into our media production as well, especially when we're talking about communicating with audiences and how to establish a story amongst audiences, especially in some of the new media spaces that my students are experimenting with or trying to emulate. Mm -hmm. you know, a lot, a lot of a lot of my students are not generally coming up with new new stories, but I think that's understandable that they, they are experimenting with stories that they've encountered and trying to emulate those things and and. Um, I mean, it's all part of the process of learning, but in, part of that is uh, understanding as a media creator the, the negotiation that you have to make with your audience. And I think parasocial relationship theory fits in with an awful lot of, um, especially in online spaces, uh, storytelling and and wh what kind of relationship you're trying to establish with your audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so let's talk about that aspect of relationship. So a parasocial relationship is one wherein an individual develops a relationship with a, another person uh, through mass media. And in particular, it's a one-way kind of relationship. Now, yeah. there are some implications where this can happen on an individual level, or there are some instances where this can happen on an individual level. You think like stalking someone's Facebook account or their Instagram or whatever it happens to be, so that you really only know them through that uh, avenue, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so there's that component of it. But m more than that, uh, I want to talk about this in the context of celebrity, right? Awesome. Uh, yeah. And it's a perfect, like, generalized case study on how, how this operates, right? Right. So, yeah. And I, th I think in, in uh, contrast to 
parasocial relationships, like interpersonal relationships, is a two-way relationship with a person that you oftentimes are uh, in personal contact with. Whether that be virtually or in person, you are actually exchanging you know, information and uh, relationship status with a person and they are equally participating in that same relationship in some way, shape or form. Right. That that's, that's the differentiator between this and interpersonal. Oh, absolutely. Right. That's, that is the big, the key difference. It's a one way relationship wherein you approximate a feeling of knowing them. Right. Yeah. You think you do as opposed to genuinely knowing them. And it's important to note that because there's that level of separation, uh, you are always um, dealing with uh, some degree of uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like facsimile or or facade, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're you're using you're you're sitting there interpreting, and we all do it. Like this is this is our relationship mm-hmm. with with media in a lot of different ways, but um, we we all kind of see the signifiers of things that would be appropriate or, or uh, meaningful or valuable in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And our, we interpret that, our brains interpret that as establishing a relationship with someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would also go so far as to say that um, the parasocial relationship doesn't have to be with the real person. Yeah. Right? It totally. can be with a fictional character, that sort of thing, uh, which also heightens this idea or elevates the idea of you believe you know them because, of course, that's the most you can do with a fictional character, right? So whether we're talking right. about a your favorite character from a, a pop culture text or we're talking about a celebrity or anything like that or a social media content creator, what we're talking about here is the one-way relationship where you feel like you know someone well enough that you could, uh, in your mind, accurately predict or guess what their behavior is going to be based on prior knowledge, that kind of thing. And that gets into the three primary components of parasocial relationship theory, which include the bond of intimacy, the aspect of privacy, and the aspect of realism, right? Yeah. So when it comes to the bond of intimacy, this is where we develop an emotional resonance with this individual, right? There's something about them that we feel like we are uh, really in tune with, we have a shared emotional bonds, maybe it's from a common trauma that you've experienced or perhaps a uh, shared source of joy, something along those mm-hmm. lines, or they do something that you get a lot out of. Maybe you just really appreciate their work, a particularly moving performance in a movie or TV show or a play or something like that, right? So this is where we develop an emotional investment, right? Yeah. In that yeah. person. And so the question I like to pose to my students and the question I'll pose to you, Barry, is, you know, who is someone that like you have something of an emotional investment in that you don't know that you have a parasocial relationship with? Ooh, yeah, good question. I think about um, there's this guy who has a YouTube channel because I'm old school like that. Mm -hmm. I I use old ancient types of media like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Legacy media. Yeah, legacy media. (laughs) Um, He he has been for years, probably close to a decade now, uh, done a a sometimes daily but weekly vlog about his experience in... I wouldn't call it homesteading, but it's part of the homesteading genre of YouTube. I don't know, or or, it's weird to talk about genres in in the context of YouTube, but there are like 
you know certain community spaces i guess for certain types of subject matter and and so homesteaders for for anyone who's unfamiliar with the term are like folks who try to live outside of particularly outside of urban areas but try to live without traditional infrastructure that urban areas offer so trying to live outside of a power grid trying to live outside of they are off the grid uh, as it were yeah, 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 yeah. Off-grid housing is sometimes a term that people use. And this guy has a form of that, though I don't think he has ever in his content ever identified as an off-grid sort of homesteader, but he definitely does all the same things. And and so like for instance, but but he's even kind of alternative within that space. I, and that's not always like a redeeming value, but it's it's always interesting because he, yeah. he will like, instead of building a farm and trying to do like farm life off grid, because that's the survival plan for living outside of traditional modern infrastructure, he builds a geodesic dome and then like, and makes it huge. And then like builds multiple stories within it. And the top story is a trampoline and like, uh, he raises a family in this environment that doesn't have any actual heating or anything like that. He, he, for several years, made it a point to um, do all of his work outside of power tools and things like that. So he and and he used fiberglass and concrete to make like his houses and other supplies that he needed for for uh, a lot of stuff and solar power he was big into solar power he's like okay if i'm going to do electricity mm-hmm. i'm going to do everything solar power my tools are going to run run off of solar power i i and and so he uh, i think the thing that i enjoyed was his craftiness like it was fun watching him learn the craft of uh you know fiberglassing and like seeing what he could make with it he moved to panama bought a a, uh overgrown tiny tiny island off the coast of panama and lives there now with his family and built boats and stuff like that to like paddle into town and you have a parasocial relationship with this guy yeah i I think very easily (laughs) i do yeah yeah yeah, totally And, and and why the emotional investment in someone who's just uh a hair shy of a doomsday prepper yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's I uh, like I said. I think it's partially the craft. I think there's also a lot of like something about his ethic is like I can figure out how to do stuff, and mm-hmm. I, I can I can find out how it's done, and I can I can like work my way through it, and I can learn from mistakes, and we can figure this out, sort of a thing. And I think that, that especially that mixed with his crafty nature, it's it's kind of fun to see what the progress is i it looks like a miserable life honestly yeah, yeah, I, I, I i don't yeah. i don't think i would find joy in living the life that he's living and uh but it is it is interesting to hmm. be part of uh the the audience that he gets to to show off this lifestyle to and like i think there's parts of it part of the parasocial relationship is having the ease and comfort of being able to be critical of his decisions without having to feel socially responsible for Mm. his decisions. I think it's easy for me to sit there and be like, wow, this is really cool. Also, he's crazy and and whatnot. But like if I was his neighbor or if I was a concerned family member who wanted to be like involved in his life, 
I, I, that's work. I mean, yeah. it, it's very clearly some labor to be a part of his life. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't have to do that, but I get to enjoy what feels like an intimate perspective on this, this life that he has. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's very clearly all filtered through what he wants me to be able to see, you know? And, yeah. and, and so that's all there, but uh, I, I, I feel like I understand an aspect of his personality. He's mm-hmm. not just doing how to videos like he is sharing himself or at least a, an aspect of himself. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's a part of the attraction as well. We are, we are let into a how to, but also a, like, what's the mindset of the person who's figuring this out. Okay. All right. Well, I tell you what, that is very different from the answer I was going to give. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say Bill Nye, the science guy. Oh, totally. Right? Oh man. Yeah. Although my, my, my parasocial bond with him was broken at an early age. Uh, because like when I was a kid, I absolutely like I adored him. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and still have a healthy respect for the guy. Don't get me wrong. He does a lot sure. of good work. Right. But when I was in, um, when I was in elementary school, I was like, I want to say like fourth or fifth grade or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I had a science teacher who told us that he met Bill Nye. He won a contest to like yeah. have lunch with him or whatever. And he did. And he said, don't be your heroes, kids, because he's a terrible person. <laughs> he's just mean and grumpy all the time. Sure. And, and I have no idea knowing if that's true or not. And I'm, I'm not prepared to like stand on that character assessment from when I was a child. Right. Sure, Who knows? Sure. Maybe Bill was having a bad day, but it does. It did like bring to mind this idea that, oh, wait, they're human beings. Bill Nye is a human being. Right. Um, sure. He's, he, I think I think that is an interesting perspective to bring into this discussion of parasocial relationships, though, mm-hmm. especially when we talk about like what these people reveal to us to create that sense of of intimacy mm-hmm. and what they choose to withhold to reinforce that sense of intimacy or at least protect that sense of intimacy right that mm-hmm. like the you don't you don't get to see the whole person yeah you don't yeah and and that's part of how the mechanism of the parasocial relationship works right mm-hmm. yeah it's like it, it necessitates that withholding of some information yeah yeah well it's like the um the the crap brothers right on pbs yeah right yeah. who you know they still have a show yes they do i know because my kids still follow them yeah, my, yeah. mine do I too mean, they were they were around before i was watching children's media right right when when i was a kid they that that's what i grew up on right, right. Uh, uh, crass creatures right and then zabumafu and things like that and right? these guys have been with me like basically from childhood to adulthood and now my kid I, watches i'm pretty them. sure they're almost in competition with mr rogers as far as years of producing children's media like they are getting there it, yeah and it's no wonder at this point that like the newest iteration wildcrats is a cartoon right yeah like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can't keep doing what they've been doing yeah right cartoons cartoon characters that present much younger than they actually are oh yeah 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 but inc- i mean just imagine being like a science communicator that gets into voice acting and actually nailing it pretty good they're they're pretty good yeah yeah they, they're not bad <laughs> they're, they're not bad it is not a low quality show right yeah um yeah. but yeah so like and that's just it if i and if i found out that like you know they uh, I don't know that they had like a, 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 a lemur pit fighting ring or something like that. Right. Like <laughs> they're just like horribly abusing these animals that would break my heart. 
Sure. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of like yeah, finding yeah. out that like Jack Hanna may have been involved in like illegal Tyler Tiger dealings. Yeah, you know? for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I think it's interesting as well going outside of the realm of traditional media. Uh, just you you see these sorts of dynamics with in lots of other contexts, especially when you have a um, primary public facing spokesperson. Um, you see this in churches all the time with like mm-hmm. a, a very charismatic pastor that has some sort of level of separation from the congregation and the congregation develops a relationship with this pastor. I mean, that, how many times do you hear about someone who's saying like they're finding a new, they're trying to find a new church and they just haven't found a pastor that they really sure, yeah. gravitate towards, right? Mm-hmm. And part of that is finding the pastor that, that creates the kind of relationship that you want to have with them, right? Mm-hmm. The, they're not just saying the things that you want them to say or saying right. the things that resonate with you. They're also like developing a kind of relationship with the congregation that you feel comfortable with. And mm-hmm. once you've found that, very much in the same way we shop around for, uh, casually for social media influencers in our lives, like once you found that, then then you got that. But there is always that risk that once you learn about that person on a more realistic interpersonal level, that th- the facade of the parasocial relationship can be disrupted and it can be devastating for folks sometimes. So then let's let's actually let's use that this idea of learning more about them and what, what we can learn that might be disruptive uh, to segue into the next component. And that is the um, the aspect of privacy when it comes yeah. to parasocial, parasocial relationships. So yeah, this is kind the, of the hinge pin for all of this. Right. This is the idea that like we get to look at who they are behind closed doors, that we have some sense of who they are in their intimate moments. Right. Yes. And there's yes. industries, media industries built around this kind of stuff. Reality totally. TV shows, right, are predicated on the idea that we give you looks into We'll give you a look into the privacy, the private lives. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, uh, the you know, the real world, right? Like sure. MTV's real world. That's a that's a perfect example of it. And a, a, now a vintage example of that. But you have um, uh, Mr. Beast and his mm-hmm. his whole channel is a reality TV production where he mm-hmm. has a house full of dude bros that uh, they just screw around with each other. And you get this sort of uh, pseudo authentic yeah. Uh, view as, as to how people react to certain things, whether that's pranks on each other, whether that's media that they're watching. We get to watch Mr. Beast react to a series of videos mm-hmm. that elicit some sort of visceral reaction from him. And and so we, we feel like we're getting to see these sorts of authentic moments with them. Yeah. And it's the same thing with like social media uh, celebrities, like on TikTok and things like that, because we're often recording inside of our homes. Right. Yes. Uh, yes. And that gives the impression that this is something somehow intimate, something like that, uh, especially yeah. because it's it's recorded in the home. And then like you, you often view it on your phone. Right. So totally. literally it's in close proximity to your body. Right. And so it, it further gives this idea that like you are um, you have access, you have special access to this individual. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I I think that's a a really uh, good example of something that ends up becoming quite subliminal. This idea of the position of the camera in relation to the things that that we watch on screen, because if you if you watch. Uh, Mr. Rogers. Let's go back to Mr. Rogers. Sure. I mean, one 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 issue that uh, makes it hard for folks to connect with him that I don't think is really appreciated, and I, I'd be willing to argue this uh, further. But like, it's a it's shot 
like a multi-camera live production, mm-hmm. like like Big Bang Theory, right? Sure. And the the nature and the structure of those um, sound stages is that the camera is fairly far away. Even if we get a close up of something, the camera has to zoom in to get that close up. We have to use a telephoto lens to get there, and that creates a perspective in those close ups that feel distant from the character. We we get to examine closely, but we don't get the closeness, the physic physical feeling or sensation visually of being close to the character. Whereas with social media, the camera is literally within arm's length of the people who are being depicted on on camera most of the time. And it it actually creates a perspective difference that you cannot capture from a, a zoom lens that feels closer to the people um, mm. you you get to examine closely but you also get to feel close while examining closely and mm. that creates a real uh, a feeling within the audience of of nearness and closeness it's a technique that's used in cinema all the time mm-hmm. if you want you can either use it to alienate the audience you know put put the camera literally very close to a, a displeasing character of some sort so that they have to feel near to that character um, or shoot from far away and examine closely to feel more voyeuristic right yeah. um it, yeah it's it's i think i think that's a really good example of like some of the more subtle ways in which we can create a sense of authenticity where there is none yeah and that that bond of that that aspect of privacy right yeah. um that idea of of the intimacy of the closeness of the camera and things like that and i mean you can see just how how you know how many pores someone has right based on how close the camera is but like uh you can also it this degree of access i think also facilitates a sense of ownership if that makes sense Mm -hmm. not necessarily of the person not like we're owning people but like a sense of ownership or perhaps a sense of entitlement to the information or the services that are provided Right. Because yeah. it, it almost creates this sort of like confidant status a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so with people who are close to us, we may feel that, you know, we can um, ask things or request things or demand things at times. And I get yeah. all kinds of encounters like that on social media, you know, asking me questions or demanding answers or things like that. Right. Totally. Because of, I think, in part. Uh, because of that perceived uh, uh, aspect of privacy, it's not, especially because a lot of the videos that I record, for example, I'm dressed comfortably, wearing a beanie and wearing a hoodie in front of uh, in front of my uh, uh, library, bookshelf. my bookshelf, yeah. right in my home office, right, as opposed to when I'm in my office, right, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. it seems much more approachable, you know, right. Right, and and there's a whole set of techniques and in, in, uh, and and now a set of best practices for helping to establish this sort of nearness and this sense of familiarity. Right, mm-hmm. it's uh, YouTube and even Facebook have uh, established guidelines or suggested best practices for establishing a social media presence that connects with audiences. Right, and and so like the YouTube creators, um, sort of department that they have set up it has has best practices for you know how to engage in the comment section so that your audience feels like you're a real person that mm-hmm. is connected with them right yeah. yeah yeah and i don't i don't know where this would fall uh, how this would rank in terms of the best practices but i know that for my part part of the reason that i i use this backdrop uh, this backdrop and the, and the reason that i record videos the way that i do um in terms of like the 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 hoodie and the beanie and all that kind of stuff is because 
I want people to know that this is you can look like this and be an academic, right? Yeah. You don't yeah. have to have the suit and tie. You don't have to do me wrong. The guys who do that, the people who do that, all that kind of stuff, that's great for them. Um, but for my my fellow, uh, you know, uh, working class roots Americans, right? This is the, you can you can have a PhD and also look this way, right? Right, right. Yeah. And I think I think along with that though it it also feeds into while while the intentions are 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 good like it also feeds into that sense that uh, manufactured authenticity right sure, like yeah. it is still yeah. it is still a deliberate choice mm -hmm. for crafting the branding of your channel if you want to look at it as crassly as that right oh, like, yeah um, it's 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 a it's a thing that can be replaced at any moment right that paradigm can be shifted. Uh, anytime that you you feel like and it it really has very little correlation with the actual authentic dr c that is is presented to the audience right what are you, what are you saying barry i'm just saying that <laughs> saying i'm fake is that what this is barry no i'm saying Character that the difference right between someone <laughs> actually trying to present an authentic yeah. self and yeah. someone who is manufacturing an authentic self can look the same yes yes and because Absolutely. the signifiers are the same oh yeah right and and uh the signifiers can shift based on the audience maybe the the cultural differences between one demographic and another uh, you might need to modify what those signifiers are, but the formula for creating an authentic persona, uh, authentic is not in itself a real thing. It's it's something that's presented, no, you're, right? You're, and it's something right, that's yeah. perceived. I'm gonna have to start putting like Cheeto dust in my beard or something to, just go. to come across even more, <laughs> even more genuine. Like, no guys, I really am a schlub, look at me. Um, but no. isn't, isn't that the entire crux of the hello fellow kids meme? Yes. Like the yeah. entire, the, the, this really is yep. that, that encapsulates so much of what the parasocial relationship is, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. right? I, I'm going to don the backwards hat, the hoodie and the skateboard and walk around and, and try and use the language of the audience I'm trying to appeal to. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and once I've, once I've done that, then I, you know, my people will gather to me and I will, I will be able to, to earn their trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, the so in, in speaking of uh, speaking of trust, this sort of gets to the third point, and that is the aspect of realism, right? Yeah, because trust would suggest that we can reliably predict this person's behavior. And the yeah. aspect of realism has to do with whether or not we find what they're doing to be believable and whether or not things that happen, whether they are positive or negative, sound within character. Right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Right. So this is where the, the easiest example I can think of for this is like when we talk about scandals that happen. Right. And you'll yeah. have people who will rise to the defense of a given celebrity or this public figure and say, well, no, they wouldn't do that. Right. Yeah. Well, how do you know they wouldn't do that? Right. How, how do you you don't have the data. Right. To, to make exactly. that call. Exactly. I mean, you see this anytime that there's there's a scandal, particularly around a large, large public figure and and um it's it's one that uh can be problematic at times it's it's also something that i mean becomes kind of a two-edged sword as well i i feel like sometimes uh we can we can go on the the attack because it's like no nothing that they say is is true because it mm -hmm. there's the possibility of any of it being 
a lie. So, so we go after that, but far more often we're, we end up defending to a fault the, the people that we have developed these parasocial relationships with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, when you think about like, oh geez, who comes to mind? Well, whether it was someone like, you know, the allegations against Michael Jackson, right? Oh, or sure, yeah. when Kobe Bryant was caught in the sexual assault scandal, right? Uh, or, you know, insert any number of things, right? People were, folks would write to the fence like, oh no, that's that's not what they would do. We we know them better than that. These are these public figures that people love, right? Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. I mean, we see that with Trump right now. Sure, right? absolutely, right? Um, and admittedly, like, it, you know, if like John Legend uh, turned out to like, you know, enjoy torturing puppies or something like, okay, well, I don't know, man, that seems kind of out there. Like that's, that doesn't seem realistic. Right. But I, but truthfully, I don't have the data to say one way or the other. Right. Yeah. About him. Right. Right. You know, totally. it wouldn't make me think twice about the the song, all of me, because that's the song that my wife and I danced to at our wedding. (laughs) Put a bit of a, (laughs) a, a dampen on that, but yeah, like, that's just it right and so this also means though that uh we may trust or distrust uh characteristics based on like what they've done before so if they are not known for philanthropy and then they start doing philanthropic work we might say okay maybe they're up to something here this doesn't make sense <laughs> this isn't consistent right. with who they are right, right um right. so it, it goes both ways both in term both in terms of perhaps doubting pro-social behavior or defending antisocial behavior right sure i had one student that um, when talking about celebrity and parasocial relationships, um, was very quick to point out all the silly fangirls that were uh, eating up everything that Kim Kardashian said, and then immediately turned on a dime and, and pointed out how he has a much better relationship to personalities because uh, he follows Joe Rogan, and Joe Rogan is the oh. real thing. Oh, and Joe no. Rogan is is the one that, like... Uh, luckily, there are people like Joe Rogan out there that are media personalities because they don't they don't have that parasocial relationship with their audience. They just talk about real things, My and dude. that's that's all. That, yeah, it's no. like woof, woof. <laughs> and and it's hard not to point out. Like you realize that Kim Kardashian and Joe Rogan actually follow the same business model for everything mm-hmm. that they do. Oh yeah. Yeah. That like they are doing the same thing. They are in the same business. Mm-hmm. They are in the entertainment business. They are. They have become the mainstream media by developing this sort of uh, relationship with the audience. You know, and yeah. and and making their audience feel like they have a real uh, perspective on them as a person. Right. Oh, like. Yeah. It, folks folks who are enjoying both the 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 core audiences of each celebrity aren't thinking that they're they're in some sort of delusional no of course not nonsensical relationship right uh, no. and, and that's the point like that's that's where we're at that's how that's that's no, I have the real relationship is exactly how we get to this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this idea that we are somehow exempt from this very common human phenomenon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, which is why it's our, our like insistence as a podcast that you always assume that I and Barry are no less than 10% bullshit on anything that we're talking about. <laughs> right. 
seriously though, yeah. if if you think you are the one that's acting outside of these norms, you are likely the most susceptible to these behaviors, oh, to yeah. these parasocial yeah. relationships. You are prime for mm -hmm. the picking. It is it is actually more easy to manipulate someone who thinks that they are unmanipulatable. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as as the, the argument I like to make to my students is that anyone who believes that they're they don't have a bias is exceedingly susceptible to ideological persuasion. Um, yeah, totally. Right, totally. Yeah. To to believe yourself to be existing outside of human behavior uh, and to be above that is is a defense mechanism because we don't like the feeling of of seeming like we got manipulated. Sure. We don't like seeing facades that are are persuading people to behave in certain ways and consider the fact that maybe we are also being persuaded without our our knowing or consent yeah and and it's it's uncomfortable so like we we set, we set up these barriers and uh, you know tell ourselves all sorts of things to make ourselves feel like no i can't i can't be everyone else is dumb but not me i'm i'm the smart one yeah you know the thing is like humans are at once um unique individual snowflakes right special and sparkly but also <laughs> as predictable as the weather yes right yeah so yes. The, the point i want to close on is like the sort of the the rubber hits the road aspects of this so like when we talk about the you know the bond of intimacy the bond of intimacy the aspect of privacy and the aspect of of um of realism we we see where people are willing to like take up causes or do engage in behaviors on behalf of someone with which they have, with whom they have a parasocial relationship, right? So for example, yeah. um, what's going on as we record this right now with like Israel and Gaza, as people are heading out into the street based on the information they're getting from people that they have parasocial relationships with whom they trust as you know, uh, accurate and honest news sources right for relaying right. this information people are right. going out to the street and marching people are contacting their uh representatives and you know saying one way or the other what they want their support uh, where they want their support to go that kind of thing um right. we're also seeing it with um we're also seeing it with people who perhaps were not uh outspoken on political issues before who are now speaking out and that challenges the aspect of realism and maybe makes people wonder okay well why are you doing this right is it yeah. because you genuinely care or is there some sort of external pressure that kind of thing right uh we're also seeing some folks maybe get their hearts broken because like they find themselves on opposite ends of a political issue right with someone who may have a emotional investment in, right some celebrity yep. an actor a musician or something along those lines um so either way it is a non-neutral force right totally. uh the other thing that comes to mind is like uh right now on tiktok there's a bunch of stuff going on about this fellow named keith lee uh mm -hmm. and are you familiar with him at all barry i i i know a little bit but give it so get us up to, the, up to speed so the the long short of it is he's a guy he's just a, a, a guy who is um he happens to be like a, a ufc fighter i mean he's a uh, mixed martial arts fighter that kind of thing been doing that for about 10 Say years no more he could do no wrong i mean he's genuinely he seems like a genuinely nice guy at least that is the <laughs> that is certainly the persona that he portrays and far be it for me to say otherwise right all of the data points to 
decent dude and he does food reviews and he got his start and he still does this where he often uh reviews food by like sitting in his kids paw patrol like chair right <laughs> at the kids table and then just like does a hey here's what i like about it here's what i don't like about it that kind of thing right sure and he's just he's genuine when his critiques are never malicious right he like tries to highlight the positive things like that he's an upbeat kind of guy and what's interesting is like there's uh, recently he went through atlanta had some less than ideal uh, interactions with people right and so like folks are talking about how when he gives a negative review it can be the end of a business he's got oh, four, wow. he's got 14 million followers on tiktok oh i didn't know that yeah. yeah 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 and when he gives a positive review it can be what keeps the doors open right sure right and so like there's all this i've seen all these discussions about like the ethical implications of him giving a positive or negative review or something along those lines right sure yeah and, and i've seen his videos and from an outsider perspective who doesn't follow him you know uh, adamant or, or uh, dedicatedly or anything like that he gives reviews that appeared like um he gives good and bad sometimes in the same review right so like it's sure. not all overwhelmingly good or things like that there was one place where I think he um, walked out because uh, he sent he will send like his family in to um, to get uh, a reservation or whatever because he doesn't want to get special treatment because by this point people know who he is and yeah. then they said okay what's well, going to be like a an hour and a half wait and so you know he's like okay well I guess I'll walk in because like you know I don't want to wait in the car and when they saw him they're like oh we'll give you a table in five minutes and he's like no 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 I don't want that I want like I, I want to be treated like everybody else but if you're going to give me special treatment then I'm going to bounce right yeah and so and he talked about that in one of his videos and so that that gives a that one resonates with a bond of intimacy right because people totally. like the idea that he values himself as a normal human being right 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 uh it is something that could have been left off of the camera right that is something he chose to include right. and so that gives an aspect of like the 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 uh the aspect of privacy a little bit right Right. And yeah. then the other component of realism in terms of it solidifies this idea of we feel like we know what he would do in a given situation. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, again, he's not like a trained food critic. He didn't go to like some special program. He's just a guy who was like, yeah. you know, who whose life revolved around food because of like weight training and cutting weight and gaining weight and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, right. I'm going to let people know what I think and, and like, and, and charismatic enough to carry oh, yeah. an entertaining, entertaining one to two minute review of a thing. Oh, absolutely. And, and like also his, his style and his approach, I think I've heard him talk about, I want to say I've heard him talk about like how he has some anxiety about public speaking. Right. And so sure. like his, his videos are very sort of straightforward and like almost kind of monotone a little bit. And it's, okay. as a public speaking teacher, it seems very clear. Like he, he is like, this is him focusing. Right. Got it. Got and and, yeah. I, and I, if I'm not mistaken, that's what he's talked about in one of his other videos. And so, like, it comes across very sincere because of that, because yeah. it seems like this is yeah, someone yeah. who isn't just talking and carrying on. He is trying hard because he doesn't want to mess up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, I think that's also a really great example of how the signifier of authenticness or realness mm -hmm. it can be uh, put together as well, right? That yeah. um, we are used to um, the polish of certain traditional forms of media or, or presentations and stuff like that. And when mm -hmm. we go against the grain in a way that doesn't alienate the audience, but presents an alternative way of presenting information, like 
somewhat monotone, straightforward, but also has these other signifiers that surround it to help redeem any sort of mm -hmm. uh, missed value, then then it comes across as authentic. We suddenly have a, 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 a feeling like, oh, this is a real person. They're like me. They're uncomfortable in front of the camera. Cool. All right. Mm -hmm. Like this is someone I can trust because they wouldn't be doing this if you know if they weren't actually genuine you know and and, mm -hmm. and it's, i think it's a really interesting way of negotiating that that sense of, of realness yeah it's it's fantastic and and again whether or not this is who he actually is and and we don't have the data to say but whether yeah. or not this is who he actually is it's certainly a very believable right public facing image for sure. And a very For endearing sure. one. I think some of my students are caught off guard when we start getting into media analysis and, and um, media studies types of discussions because so often we want to talk about the making of and, and like what the intentions of the filmmaker were and, and stuff like that. And, and the problem is we can't know those things. Most of the time we can't know. And even when mm -hmm. it is presented even when we get the the media maker and the author to explain their reasoning that is a version that they are presenting that's not necessarily mm -hmm. the whole story i mean we know that very well from like some of your discussions of comic studies right like mm -hmm. uh the authors sometimes contradict themselves from one interview to the next from one book oh, yeah. to the to the next and, and so it's not a reliable source for data to make an analysis on so media studies mm -hmm. often just has to say well screw it it's the, we, we need to look at what effect this media has rather than what the intentions were behind it because it just gets too sticky and too messy what's what's more important is what is presented yeah. what what th that's that's the text that we're going to analyze here because we can't know there's too many variables we can't know beyond that I think this is a, a, a pretty good place to sort of bring it to a close as we ask people yeah. to consider like, you know, how are you engaging in parasocial relationships with, with other folks, right? And are they healthy? Do you get something out of it? Because they can give you something, right? They can yeah, give you sure. they can give you catharsis, they can be sources of maybe education or information or things like that, but also they can lend people to do crazy things like, I don't know, um, shoot John Lennon because uh, of a concern about him, you know, <laughs> becoming morally corrupt. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, that's a part of that story. So anyway, I mean, that, that actually reminds me of uh, a story. I, I think this is more apocryphal than anything, but a story about Robert Pattinson and a stalker that he encountered. Mm -hmm. Did you ever hear about this? No. Uh, so it's, 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 this is not confirmed, but I love the story of it that like he, he had a, had a stalker that eventually instead of kind of, trying to give the stalker a run around or trying to avoid the stalker or put a restraining order on the stalker or whatever. He finally just invited the stalker to dinner. And uh, in this case, it was, it was a young woman. And um, the, as the story goes, he just bored her to death, uh, t complaining about his life to the point where she never contacted him ever again and and basically breaking that parasocial relationship sure, right yeah, like yeah, she yeah. had in her mind who this guy was and that's what she became fixated on once he dispelled it to a point where she could no longer tolerate this new version of of 
Robert Pattinson. Then all of a sudden, it, you know, she she that fixation was broken, and she she had no choice but to like rid herself of the guy. <laughs> that's awesome. And, uh, I again, I don't know that that's true, and I'm not terribly interested in actually like verifying it. I just think it's a it's a great story of uh, how a parasocial relationship could. Uh, potentially be managed right oh, yeah. or or broken apart strategically that mm-hmm. sometimes maybe the point of break uh, of the the facade falling apart is, is sometimes on purpose i don't let, know let me show you just how mundane i am yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and certainly there's more to uh that we can dig into and and this might be a a a well worth returning to. Thank you for dropping by the office. Uh, obviously, if you want more of this, you can find me on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at GACruz underscore PhD. And we look to uh, we look to see you in the office next week. Thanks, folks. Catch you I'm not exactly sure how to start this. We said at the top that we would have a, an announcement to make, and that's true, we do, uh, regarding the, the future of the podcast and how we're going to continue moving forward. Um, Barry, how long have we been doing this now? Okay, so we've been publishing a new episode every week, save maybe a couple rebroadcasts uh, since the end of April of 2021. Yeah. So that doesn't answer your question specifically. I think we had talked about how that's what, like 130 episodes? A little, or something like little that? more than 130 episodes, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we've been doing this, we've been posting every week, almost without fail for about two and a half years now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm. Out, of the, out of the goodness it, of our hearts. <laughs> ex- exactly too many episodes. Yes, yeah, precisely too many. Um, anyway, so we are going to be making a bit of a shift and we are shifting for a few reasons. Uh, part of it is uh, personal, you know, our lives are picking up uh, and, you know, we've we both had, you know, positive developments, but positive developments also bring extra responsibilities, right? So like, yep. I, when we started this, I was a lecturer and now I'm in a tenure track position and I've got like extra things that I have to do, like uh, service to the university as well as to the department, things like that. And, and you know, increased research, you know, output you also decided you wanted to write a book. Come on, man. That, <laughs> Yes, and also... You did the one thing you're not supposed to do when you start in a tenure-track position. <laughs> not for nothing. I've also obligated myself to three other writing projects yeah. <laughs> as of this recording after yeah. that's done. Um, it's, it, the problem with being a relevant researcher, one that is actually doing productive work, is you I, end up doing a lot of it. The, I've the, noticed. The, the biggest being, problem is... Being an observer of legitimate folks... My, my biggest problem is that I'm friends with people who are good at what they do when they're like, hey, Gabe, come and do this thing with me. And I'm like, yeah, I like yeah. working my, with my friends. But, you know, anyway, uh, my successful friends keep helping me find stuff to do anyway. <laughs> and to save yeah. this so that it doesn't seem like uh, we 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 found someone new. And we're, we're, we're going to go, it's, it's not you, it's me. I just wanted to expand my horizons or anything like that. Like we actually really still want to do the podcast, but we also, one of our, our goals is to increase the quality of Mm -hmm. what it is that we're trying to accomplish with, with this and, and offer something a little bit deeper, a little bit more than what we have been able to under the weekly model that we've been going under. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, a little bit of uh, behind the curtain, um, uh, you know, just to see what, what's been going on. We found ourselves kind of reacting to the deadline 
uh, at points more so than actually being proactive in terms of what it is that we wanted to do. You know, we would uh, scratch our brains about, okay, well, what can we put out this week? Right. Uh, at some points recording very late, close to that weekly deadline. So, right. and that's right. not, that's not doing the best work that we can do and it's not giving y'all the best, you know, stuff that we can provide. So, um, right. so yeah, basically what we're going to be doing is taking a break for a little while. We're going to go on hiatus for a bit. Uh, our tentative plan is to return uh, and start doing episodes again uh, around July, August, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because while while we're while we're taking a break from uh, putting out new episodes, we'll, behind the scenes, we're actually uh, going to be getting to work on a, a whole new season. We'll be recording episodes, and we'll be um, mm-hmm. a, a little bit more deliberate about what exactly that looks like and uh yeah i I don't know i'm really excited to to have a a larger through line from episode to episode and and really connecting this together yeah yeah we're so the idea is that we'll put out you know a a set of episodes um they'll probably last you know again roughly from about july to august to the end of the year uh they'll be scaffolded which is to say that they'll they're supposed to build on top of each other they'll address a, a particular common theme right um, the idea is that we want to make material that is one, a bit more academically rigorous, uh, with more theory involved and it takes time to do the research and then find a way to communicate it in a way that's accessible to a public lay audience. Uh, and also, you know, stuff that can be of use to any educators who might be listening to this and think that, okay, this might be some good supplemental material for the classroom. Right. And hopefully it can be fun along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing is too, is like, um, we have fun questions we want to answer, but it takes time if we're going to do that in a thoughtful way, right? And yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and this also allows us a little bit more flexibility with like reaching out to guests uh, and scheduling and, and things like that. I've actually, uh, Barry, you don't know this yet, but I've already been talking to <laughs> one or two people um, to get them involved uh, in some capacity. Awesome. Anyway, neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, so we're going to take a little bit of time, catch our breath, uh, recoup a bit. Um, and then, you know, try to come out with something that's, that's better than what we have been doing and that will be a more enjoyable and more, uh, educational experience, uh, for y'all around, you know, late spring, early summer, we will have an announcement about our definitive start date, uh, and you know, what it is that we'll be talking about, what our guiding like research question or theme will be for that season. And then, yeah, you'll know what to expect from us, uh, from then, but until then, uh, you know, if you've enjoyed listening to these episodes and we'd like to think that we've built a little bit of goodwill with you, then all we're asking is for a little bit of time to sort of, um, get our act together a little better, uh, <laughs> to help you out or to, I'm sorry, to help us out, to do better help for you. Us yeah. Help us help you. Help us help you. <laughs> <laughs> until, uh, until we see you in the office again, uh, thanks for coming along on the ride. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it and we are excited to, you know, usher in the new season with you. Yeah.